1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per
2: line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The home of Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEIFM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Search and browse more privately. Download the free DuckDuckGo app today. We're always live on the free Odyssey app.
0: This this hour of WEEI Football Sunday with Gresham Arcan is brought to you by Shaw's. Shaw's, the official supermarket of the Red Sox Network.
2: Football Sunday is brought to you by New England Recovery Center in Westboro and by Kubota Tractor and the New England Kubota Tractor Dealers. Time now for WEEI Football Sunday with Andy Gresh, Christian Arkan, and Mike Cadlick. Now, WEEI Football Sunday.
3: Broadcasting from the Best Yet Brand Football Center, we're into Hour 2 of WEEI Football Sunday. Gresham Arcand here with you. Cadillac is off to the great wide yonder to head down to Gillette Stadium to cover tonight's 425 kick between the Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles on a day where Tom Brady is going to be honored up and down uh we are hearing that there are just gaggle's of players showing up and Arkan, i let me ask you the question this way quickly as we're getting kern loaded up here what's the one thing you think the patriots won't do for brady like a lot of people talked about hmm. statue banner da, stuff like that and even if you want to put a pin
1: in it we can come back to it that's a good question. What won't they do for Tom Brady? Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think of things that have been done for other players that the Patriots would be like, well, we can't do that for Tom Brady. I can't really. Nothing springs to mind. Uh, do you have something in mind? Well, because I wonder about the the whole statue thing. Yeah. like uh, that. Feels... I, can I say I'm against
3: the statue? I think a lot of people
1: are in a weird way. I don't like statues where people are still alive. I don't like that. It's the Joe Got Paterno it. thing, you know? You have a statue up for somebody, then something comes out later down the right. You know, I just it's it's a slippery slope. I don't like that. I, I'm fine with commemorating him in some other way. I don't like statues for people yeah,
3: who are still with us. I, I know <laughs> this, that uh, that outside Gillette Stadium, outside of the media center someday, there will be a statue of the gent who joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Our guy Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston here on WEEI Football Sunday. Tommy, good morning. Grish. Christian. How are you, boy? Tommy? We're good. We're okay, friend. Uh, it's funny. I threw that at, at Arcan just as almost like a little bit of a curveball because, Tommy, I'm sure you've heard it too, whether it's number retired, his own banner, a statue, they'll name the lighthouse after him. Hell, Robert Kraft might g- just give him one of his, one of his kids, maybe a grandkid or something. Who in the world knows? Uh, what are you expecting to go down around Tom Brady today? Are we going to get... Sort of the full Monty, the full everything? Or, you know, if people are expecting a statue, I don't know. I think they might come away disappointed, Tommy. What's your read on all this now that we're here at game day?
4: That I think this is the first post-retirement honoration (laughs) celebration that they're able to do for him. He left in, in, obviously, March of 2020. And there was a salute to him as an opponent. And now this is kind of a proper, hey, buddy, you know, handshake, love you, let's get together again. And I think that that will be, so this is more of an appetizer to the Patriots Hall of Fame event and to an event in Canton probably in 2027 that will be banged out with folks from our area. Uh, Tommy, I sort of asked you about this a little bit on
1: Friday when we were out there sweating in uh, at Patriot Place. But in terms of the narrative that the crafts and that the Patriots organization would sort of like to put out there in regards to Tom Brady, would you say this is sort of a step towards kind of reclaiming him as a Patriot? He's an owner of another team, a part owner of another team. He played somewhere else. Is this is this a step towards sort of getting everyone to remember that he's a Patriot and the first and foremost? Yeah,
4: I don't think that that's probably the initial. Motivation. I think the initial motivation is, good, let's get him back here and we have to have a day for him because we love him so much and he did so much. And maybe down the line they say, and, yeah, I want just to remind everybody that he's still ours. (laughs) And I think that it will be good for people here to hear Brady articulate that today, which I'm absolutely positive he will in some fashion say that this is where he grew up, this is where he turned into who he became in so many ways, you know, so I think that 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 will be refreshing because I don't think that people probably loved it the last three years hearing I sure do love it here in Tampa and Coach Bruce and and Jason and it just, you know, it it felt, okay, I guess he's someplace else now. (laughs) This will be nice for folks to hear him talk in glowing terms specifically and directly to them from the field about what New England meant to him. Tommy, I
3: used a wedding reference earlier in describing this situation. I'm sure you've been to the wedding where it's all about the bride, the bride's family, how big a ceremony and how opulent it can be. And it's really about her on that wedding day. And this to me kind of feels like Robert Kraft is throwing that kind of party for himself to love or, as Arcand had mentioned, kind of reclaim Tom Brady. Is that a fair
4: analogy? Um. I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, here's here's what I'm and, – and we can talk about whatever, and I know that you would not be the least bit put on. I thought you were going to go in the direction of you got the groom over there who is Bill Belichick and his football team <laughs> ready to play a vital game in 2023 in a critical season, and no one's paying any attention to him. I like and it. And that's kind of where I am. Like, now I'm like, we're, we can talk whatever, and you know I'm not – being a baby but i'm like we got to talk about the football game i couldn't care less about that i mean we spent the whole friggin off season focusing on all the ramifications of everything and then the brady thing hijacks our conversation to an extent and he's not going anywhere he's in awesome shape he's probably about 23 years old head to toe we're gonna have plenty of brady days after this there is one opener for 2023 which is About to happen, and it's a hard one, and it's a critical one, and this is a fascinating season. So to me, yeah, maybe Robert Kraft is, and he's probably misreading or not caring what Bill Belichick's opinion is on when he does it because Bill's probably like, come on. All right. pretty big year here.
1: Well, let's talk about the game then, Tommy. Uh, In terms of the on-field matchups, can you tell me one place where the Patriots have an advantage in an on-field matchup, offense to defense, run game to run defense, passing, that sort of thing? Is there a place where you think the Patriots are at the advantage?
4: The middle of the field is what my buddy Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia told me about the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Safeties, linebackers, slants draws, get up on that second level, and that's a place where you need to attack them. Now, I don't know where the Patriots defensively have an advantage on Philadelphia. You know, we watched the Patriots team last year, which was not a good red zone team. Check this out. <laughs> this is a bizarre stat. Uh, excuse me. On Yeah, it was third down, actually. Third down last year, the Patriots were middling. I think it was 22nd or something like that. They had two games in which... The Colts and the Jets went back-to-back 3-for-28 on third down. 0-for-14 for for the Colts, 3-for-14 for the Jets. So I'm looking at that and saying, defensively, the Patriots are not what folks think they are, and they're going up against a terrible matchup because they're going to use all four downs on you. They're going to go for it on fourth down. And some of the stats that people have been relying upon were built up and rolled up against teams that weren't that good. So I think the Patriots offense has to get to 24 or more, probably more than that. And to do that, where's the spot? I think it's that middle of the field. So Demario Douglas, Kendrick Bourne, uh, middle screens, draws, Gresh, you talked about it, I think, already, just run right at some of the players that you think are matchup vulnerable and, and try and take care of it that way,
3: Tommy Curran of NBC. Excuse me, Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston here on uh, WEEI Football Sunday. <clears throat> Tommy, when you look at the Patriots' offensive line, how are you expecting the construct to be? Uh, is it just throw Calvin Anderson in there at uh, a right tackle and maybe rotate and see how it goes? I'm just curious for how you think they'll put those offensive linemen together and then lean on them, try to run it, you know, just in terms of the philosophy, how will the offensive line maybe dictate some of what the Patriots can and can't do today?
4: I think they'll go right to that, Gresh. I think they'll immediately, you know, go Calvin Anderson, Unwenu, Andrews. Cole Strange, Trent Brown, and then monitor those guys as it goes along. Of course, Trent Brown had an illness this week, so is he diminished at all. It's not that hot compared to what it was the last four right. days, but I'm positive that they will be cycling through their offensive linemen, get some City So out there, um, Antonio Mafi, and, and see how they hold up. You don't want them out there too much, especially on the edge with San Reddick or Hargraves, so, but I, I think it would be important because Philly rotates their guys and as a guy who lived in the trenches, Gresh, does the offensive line get as tired as a defensive line when the offense is on the field longer?
3: Uh, I don't think so, no. Because there's the right. there's the adrenaline of the, hey, we're moving it down the field. And you're dictating to them. It's kind of like the
4: bully in the schoolyard mm. deal. You don't know what's coming. You have to be more reactive so you're more apprehensive. You're probably not breathing right when you're on defense. What do we got? Um, so... To me, I, I think that they're going to rotate guys in, but if they can be effective, I wonder, too, will they You get the option to go hurry up, which I think the Mac Jones would be awesome at. Awesome. And I think Bill O'Brien would be great at. But do you want to do that against Philly? Probably not. Do you want to keep your offenses on, on the field as long as possible? Because I can see Philly having 10-play, 78-yard drives that keep your defense on the field for a while. So I, I guess long roundabout way of saying, the Patriots will go with the five that we expected, minus Riley Reeves Calvin Anderson there instead, but they will cycle through some of the rookies that we've seen on the field this offseason.
1: Tommy, the Eagles have a new offensive coordinator. It was someone that was promoted internally. The Patriots have a new offensive coordinator, someone they had before, and then sort of hired back and brought back to change the uh, awful situation they had there last year. Which offensive coordinator do you think is going to make a bigger impact in the game today?
4: I would say O'Brien because you already have a successful offense in Philadelphia that you are basically just climbing behind the wheel of. To me, Bill O'Brien has to create a Patriots offense that might mirror what the Patriots offense in 21 was, but also grab some of the things that he's got in his bag and some of the things that Mac Jones likes. I think we're going to see a massive amount of motion more than we saw last year, I'd probably see a lot of play action, which those were aspects of the Patriots defense which were just excuse me, offense which were just kind of cast out. They had no you know, bells and whistles at all. Just line up, run the play. Oh wow, we've lost one. That's thanks. Now it's the second and 11. At least this year there should be and from what I watched in training camp, it should be a much more complicated offense to try and deal with.
1: With that being said, we know an offense for the Patriots anyway, Devontae Parker out today. Uh, who do you think is going to benefit the most from his absence on,
4: on the Patriots? Well, if Philly doesn't like the Patriots do it and say we're going to take away their best and most effective offensive threat, um, I'd say get on Juju. Hmm. They're probably going to go to Juju and Hunter Henry when the passing game is, is available. I wouldn't have figured that Devontae Parker would have seen more than six or seven targets anyway, and that might be high. Um, but get on Juju, get on Hunter Henry and see if, you know, Kendrick Bourne has shown up. Look, that's the thing about the Patriots offense. We bitch and lament with good reason about the toys that they don't have, but they do have a lot of nice pieces that are complimentary. You want to take Hunter Henry away? Well, we got another tight end. who's actually kind of a hybrid, in Jasicki, maybe we'll hit him. You want to take Juju away? That's fine. We have a quicker guy who's taller in Kendrick Bourne. You want to take Kendrick Bourne away? You know what? Kayshawn Booty, you people are going to see. He's like David Givens incarnate. So I, I think all those things are going to be really interesting, never mind DeMario, Douglas, Stevenson, and Elliott. They have more than people give them credit for. They just don't have that high-end guy that makes people say, I need him. On my fantasy team.
3: So, Tommy, I don't know if this is exactly going to be, you know, Frank Costanza serving food to the Jewish singles. I'm like a phoenix rising from Arizona. But is this almost like a rebirth for Mac Jones today where he can say, yes, I feel like a phoenix rising from Arizona?
4: I think in many ways it will. I think he's already felt that. I think now the pressure's on to – implement the things that Bill O'Brien has given him that he's very happy to have back in his corner. Um, I think the pressure is on him in so many ways. You know, you've got to convert. You can't go three and out. Remember how many times they would go three and out early in the game or just, you know, first down and then it's first and 10 and false start. Okay. This drives over. So to me, just
3: a <laughs> and it's of- true. I love yeah. that. Yeah. First and 15. That ah, we're effed. Here we go. <laughs>
4: Yeah, okay, just get it to Jake Bailey. Um, So now it's going to be get it to the other kid. But to me, that's the pressure is to put together a representative offensive performance because 17 to nothing with Brady walking out onto the field at halftime is going to suck for everybody. It's going to put a real crappy taste in people's mouths for this team. And I I really hope because – I would rather see the team be good than bad. I really hope it starts well for them because they need it to. You know, we've done enough, all of us, just pummeling this team <laughs> since Bill decided not to do anything with Josh. And prior to that, it was deciding not to have a plan post-Brady. So I I, I would love to move away from the pummeling. So don't fall behind 17 nothing.
3: Yeah, today is the day to finally turn the page on everything last year and our friend Tommy Kern is here for it. You hear him with Gresham Fourier on Thursdays, on uh Jones and RK or Jones and Mego with Arcan on Thursdays and of course with us here on WEEI Football Sunday. Have a great one today, Tommy. Appreciate you. Thanks, we'll Tom. talk to you soon.
4: thank you guys. Talk to you this
3: week. There we go. Boy Arcan. I didn't really <clears throat> I never put it together in those terms.
1: <clears throat> the Boy, if you're down at the half. Yeah. Yikes. I know. Didn't even think of that. And that's sort of the thing. A lot of people have been saying, well, why have the ceremony at week one? You know, what if it's it's an Eagles? What if they're killing you and that happens? Well, what if you have it in week eight? and you're two and six. Bingo. That's going to be worse. At least there's still some hope this year. Yeah, you're playing the Eagles, man. Maybe you'll win next week. If you're already, you know, having a bad season and then you do the Brady thing, I think that's much worse than whatever happens today. It's like trying to get pregnant. Timing is everything. <laughs> right. There we go. By the way, Tommy thought he was on Boston Sports tonight there for a second. I you know. That? that was pretty good. He Caught yeah. himself. Hey,
3: listen, he's <laughs> got so much going on now. We're all in the seven day a week mode. <laughs> we don't even know where I still think I'm calling the UMass game that is delayed overnight. They kick it off at 7 a.m. Uh, the 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 Reverend slides in next for a deep dive breakdown on everything Patriots-Eagles-stiz is trendy.
2: Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI.
0: The Red Sox will try and avoid the sweep today after they lost 13-12 to the Orioles last night at Fenway Park. The Sox had 23 hits, the most ever in a nine-inning loss. It was also the longest game of the season, clocking in at three hours and 40 minutes. The two teams are running back for the third and final time today. First pitch at 135. Brian Bayer will take the mound for your Boston Red Sox. He'll be facing Grayson Rodriguez for the Orioles. Will Fleming and Rob Bradford will have the call for you right here on the Shaws and Star Market. WEI Red Sox Network. Shaws perfecting the art of fresh. And Mark Dondero will get you ready for the game starting at 1235 with the Mass Mutual pregame show. Mass Mutual Insurance Planning Investments. And the day has finally come. Week 1 of the Patriots regular season kicks off today. 425 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Jack Jones and Devontae Parker are out. However, Ramondre Stevenson is expected to play. Don't forget to tune in to the Six Rings post-game show with Fitzy and Hart immediately following the game right here on Weei. The GOAT, Tom Brady, makes his way home to Gillette Stadium today to be honored by the Patriots organization and fans during today's halftime. Robert Kraft called the honoring, quote, special and unique. And said, that you're, and said that Brady had flown in 20 of his family members for the celebration. And if you're not at the game to witness the ceremony live, fear not, according to the Patriots, the event will be live-streamed on the team's website. You can also tune in to YouTube, Facebook, and X, formerly known as Twitter. Don't forget you can hear the Titans take on the Saints at 1 p.m. on WEI 850 a.m. And we'll join the Cowboys at Giants in progress at 10 p.m. right here on... Wei, I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on w-e-e-i and Wei.com. More NFL Sunday with Arcan and Gresh right after this.
2: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Well, Welcome back to Football Sunday. For the first time in a while, it is me, the Reverend Arkhand, here to address my congregation after uh, being reassigned by the Vatican, not for anything bad, just for, uh, you know, the normal reasons. Here I am back to uh, tell the congregation about the scouting report. We're going to do this every week, the Reverend Scouting Report, where we'll take a look at the Patriots opponents, who this week are the Philadelphia Eagles Andy Gresh. And uh, what can you say about the city of Philadelphia that hasn't already been said by Bill Burr? I don't know if you ever saw that video. Uh, I I am uh, no fan of the Philadelphia Eagles or the people who live in Philadelphia or anything really Philadelphia related, but uh, you have to give some credit to that team last year and to that organization, what they've done to rebuild and uh, continue to be competitive, going back to the Super Bowl with multiple different quarterbacks and uh, coaches and all sorts of things. They got a good uh, infrastructure there. So let's go ahead and start with what happened in the Eagles last game. Now, there was no last game. Uh, They did have an interesting preseason, though, because they didn't play any of their starters in the entire preseason. Now, Hmm. we got on the Patriots a little bit for not playing Mac Jones very much and not seeing the first-team offense. You didn't see them barely at all here with the Philadelphia Eagles, so let me ask you that. Will that be an issue here today? Do you think that the uh, preseason lack of reps for these uh, for these Eagles starters is going to come back to bite them? I personally
3: don't like it, Arcan. Uh, sorry, Reverend, but I
1: will say this. It's okay, my son. Uh, the
3: uh, Your frock is beautiful, I must say. But uh, in all seriousness, I don't think it is as big a deal because it feels like there's been a bit of a sea change in the league over the past couple of years where it's about those joint practices versus playing guys in the uh, preseason. But it makes me uncomfortable Evaluating both football teams because we really didn't
1: see the Patriots starters very much. That's true. All right, let's get to the Eagles' off-season changes. All right, the Eagles and GM Howie Roseman had a very much ballyhooed off-season. I would say, uh, Football Outsiders, if you didn't see this, graded the Eagles' off-season a cumulative. That's the highest offseason grade they've ever given. So, A big part of the reason for that was the two first round draft picks. We'll get to those in just a minute. But Let's talk about their free agency. They lost uh, some key players. Javon Hargrave is gone. He went to the Niners. Miles Sanders is out. Offensive lineman Andre Dillard, who wasn't very good, is out. Uh, Linebacker TJ Edwards and a couple safeties. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who we saw on the Lions, and also Marcus Epps are out as well. They were able to retain some of their players, but let's just talk about those uh, players who left any big uh, names there that stick out? Yeah,
3: the, I mean, the the change at running back, and I know that when Cadillac was here, it talked about how they still got some depth there, but Miles Sanders was a really good player for them. Now, Philadelphia has also been one of those teams where you can go all the way back to that 2016 Super Bowl right. against the Patriots, and you're like, oh, my God, you know, like Corey Clement, I think it was, that caught that <laughs> ball that shouldn't have been caught in the back hey, of the end zone. Remember, they changed game. the yeah. rule but they've been pretty good at sort of going through the car wash with a lot of those guys, but losing Miles Sanders, that, that that's a big deal. He was big last
1: year. Yeah, he definitely was. They did manage to hold on to Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, Darius Slay, James Bradbury. People thought both of those guys would leave. They both stayed. Uh, Darius Slay in particular, everyone thought he was going to leave when Matt Patricia mm-hmm. got there, and he ended up staying, so clearly those two kissed and made up. They also added to the running back position, as you said, DeAndre Swift from the Lions, and they signed uh, Rashad Penny, too, to replace Sanders. Let's talk Talk about the Patriots and Eagles' previous matchups. All right. The last time the Patriots played the Eagles, Tom Brady was still here. Uh, it was week 11 of 2019. Patriots rallied from a 10-point deficit. They beat Philly thanks to a touchdown pass. Here's some trivia for you, Greg. Oh, boy. Uh, touchdown pass to Philip Dorsett that was thrown by not Tom Brady but... Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? Julian Edelman. Julian oh Edelman God. threw that pass. I overthought it. Damn it. And that's how they beat Carson Wentz's Eagles 17-10. Uh, to 10. Believe it or not, the Eagles do lead the all-time series with the Pats. Eight wins to seven losses. I was surprised to see that. I would have thought New England would have been uh, ahead of them. But in the all-time, this, is their, uh, this will be their 16th uh, matchup all-time, and New England can even up that uh, series with a win today. All right, let's get to players to watch. Are you liking the uh, eagle sound effect, by it the way? It is pretty good, I got to say. <laughs> I didn't know hard. how
3: it tied into being a reverend, but... It does not at all. But I figured is, uh, it would be more of like a pass the plate, sort of, like you would hear the coins hitting idea. the plate.
1: There's an idea for next week. All right. Hey, the, the reverend is flexible. We'll uh, we'll continue with <laughs> uh, with things we have to improve on. I've heard some off. <laughs> all right. Uh, players to watch. Who are your players to watch?
3: Uh, today, for me, with the Patriots, I'm all on uh, Demario Douglas and Mike Gesecki. Because, mm-hmm. again, that's a piece where I don't exactly understand how they're going to use him. Like, Fourier is just hammered down on me that, hey, this guy, he's not a great blocker, but they got to ask him to block at some point. And I think more with Demario Douglas, it is, wow, the Patriots anointed him within the first two weeks of being starter-worthy or at least rotation-worthy, so what are they seeing? And then from the Philadelphia end, uh, I, I want to see Jalen Carter and see if this guy can – from day one, have immediate impact. And Arcan, I know that uh, that uh, the, you know the Patriots run o one, o two, o three, and that o one season they sort of limped in with Richard Seymour. It feels like now
1: it's just, well, we're going to turn these guys loose. Yeah. wonder how much Carter really plays today. I'd be interested in seeing that, too. Uh, the players to watch for me on the Philly side are Brown and Smith, the wide receivers. Obviously, they're about as good of a duo as there is. I'd say they're up there with Hill and Waddle and all the other great duos and in the And they're league. different
3: styles, too, which yeah. I personally like. If you're going to build a wide receiver duo, don't have two guys that are the same.
1: Yeah, sort of a yeah, like a Moss Welker situation. there. Not exactly like that, but I, I know what you mean. Um, all Also, the front seven, you were just talking about them. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, among others. Mac Jones called them monsters this week. He's right, they are monsters. Mm -hmm. In fact, Uh, The Monsters of the Midway are one of the only other teams that ever had a 70 sack season. They did it twice in the 80s. Uh, The Eagles did it last year, and the only other team to do it was the 1989 Vikings, which was uh, Chris Dolman and Keith Millard and those guys uh, back in 89. They racked up 70 sacks, and no one else has ever done that. That includes uh, Big Blue Wrecking Crew, that includes uh, Purple People Eaters, that includes New York Sack Exchange. Why aren't there more defensive nicknames lately, by the way? You know, after Legion of Boom, there hasn't really been much. I really like that in the 80s. In the 80s and 90s, there are all these great nicknames for the defensive units, and they don't do that anymore. Well, Reverend, I would say that it's because of the
3: Madden generation. Yeah. Every wide receiver is great. Every (laughs) wide receiver deserves $20 million. Every wide receiver tilts the field, da-da-da-da-da, and yet teams normally win with some pretty good defenses, or at least some guys who have the ability to be game-wreckers like Chris Jones.
1: Yes, very much so. All right, let's go to our rookie spotlight. Okay, here we go, Gresh. What rookies are you looking to uh, to see break out today? Patriots, Eagles, either side. Well, I would say the the one guy that has
3: my attention outside of Demario Douglas is I can't figure out Kayshawn Booty yet. I know they kept him. Uh, I think Tommy Curran earlier this hour mentioned a David Givens kind of comp or comparison there. I don't know. I still feel like I got to see that. But, I mean, Christian, if this guy – Can come in. I mean, just think. Well, he was a sixth or a seventh, whatever it turned out to be. Mm -hmm. If this guy has like thirty-five catches this year, it feels like a steal because of where you ended up. uh, Where you ended up getting him in the draft.
1: Yeah, no question about that. I think for uh, the Patriots, the rookie I'm looking at the most uh, is Gonzalez, obviously, because he's going to have a big, tough matchup, mm-hmm. I think. I'm also looking at Chad Ryland, the rookie kicker. You're, you're coming in That's a good point. for Nick Folk, who was about as accurate as anybody. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't some big leg or anything, but followed after you know Guskowski, who was maybe one of the greatest kickers in NFL history. I mean, if we're, if we're going by the numbers and Nick Folk filled in for him very well. Uh, they did draft a kid, that three-percenter kid they drafted a few years back who didn't work out. Uh, Justin, what's his name? Um, so, you know, this is another rookie kicker. We'll see how he does and uh, hopefully he doesn't storm the Capitol. And there you go. So that's Ju- the one Justin I'm looking Roarwasser. at. Justin Roarwasser, Roarwasser is the dude you're thinking name. of. Yeah. He um, had a
3: quick stint at
1: URI for a year. And oh, then did went he to really? Marshall. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, Eagles have some interesting rookies as well. Two first-round picks they used them both on defense to add to that crazy pass rush that they already have nine overall they took jalen carter um 18th i think they took nolan smith uh and that is to fill the void left by hargrave and that guy also keep an eye out third round safety sydney brown he was impressive in the preseason he's trying to get his uh plant his flag i guess in that Eagles secondary all right let's get to the enemy storylines all right, the Eagles are hoping to avoid the Super Bowl loser curse. Now, you're familiar with oh, this, obviously, Greg. Yeah. It is a real thing. When you lose in the Super Bowl, it is very hard to get back there. I think the last team to actually do that was the 2018 Patriots Mm -hmm. because they lost to the Eagles in 2017. They were back in it and won the next year. That is a very rare occurrence. You hardly ever see that. In fact, if you go back uh, a couple of years here, the Bengals lost in the AFC Championship game to the Chiefs. The Chiefs were in the Super Bowl losers the year before. They got knocked out by the Bengals. The Niners missed the playoffs a year after their Super Bowl loss. Rams, after losing to the Patriots, got knocked out in the division round. Missed the postseason completely in the two years prior to their Super Bowl win. This is a real thing. Do you think it will affect the Eagles?
3: I do, in part because of the coordinator changes. And, well, they have one loss last year during the regular season. Maybe two. You know, going 16-1 and or 15-2 and is not very common. However... If the Eagles go 12-5, and I think that should be enough for them to be able to win their division. But I think just because of regular season record alone, if it slips back at all and slides back, which it will, tougher schedule, all that kind of stuff, they could still have a really successful year, but people on the outside kind of look at it with a a crooked eye. And I do think that is one of the bigger mistakes that fans make is that – well, they went to the Super Bowl last year. They should just be able to go this year. And it's like, huh, really? Like, it's just not that easy. You got to get the right breaks. You got to get the right injury breaks as well. And, no, I, I definitely
1: think it is very, very real. All right, there you go. That is the Reverend Scouting Report, a in-depth look at the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, also at the Patriots as well in this matchup that's coming your way here in uh, just a couple of hours over at Gillette Stadium. We'll be doing it every week with every opponent that the Patriots have. So uh, there you are, the Reverend Scouting Scouting report week one is now officially in the books uh, do we have
3: inactives actives yet uh, some of them are starting to trickle out right now uh, and, of course, that is uh, the injury report is presented by the Catches Law Group, the personal injury pros at catcheslaw.com. Catches Law is the official law firm of the New England Patriots. So a uh, couple of uh, just inactives that are standing out, and this will tie into us talking about uh, fantasy coming up yes. here, Arcand. Uh Cordell Patterson is inactive today for the uh, Falcons. And Mark Andrews, tight end of the Ravens, mm. is officially inactive. Uh, those are two interesting ones. Cordero Patterson is uh, Cordell Patterson is a fascinating one because when that guy was here, could you ever have envisioned? that he would still be hanging around the league right now and be a valuable guy
1: no. and someone that
3: like people not only wanted but like wanted in fantasy football as well.
1: I thought that he was just a returner and sort of like a failed wide receiver who couldn't really want mm-hmm. run routes, couldn't really catch all that great. Now he's this sort of he's a running back but he's not really a running back you know it's like it's hard to really describe even what he is but he's been very productive for them uh, in a couple of stops and now with with the uh, Falcons so I think that yeah he's a fun guy to watch what I'll always remember about him is when he ran for the touchdown and stopped on the one yard line to high five his teammate oh my god and then they made those t-shirts and Bill got all mad and that was the whole thing but uh, yeah um, him being out I'd like to see him continue to uh, put up numbers here and he's definitely a good fantasy guy Um, as far as Mark Andrews is concerned I don't want to jump ahead of the uh, fantasy uh, segment that we're doing. But I know Isaiah Likely, the backup tight end there, is getting picked up in a lot of leagues. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a major uh, guy on the waiver wire this week. Yeah, and then just
3: kind of scrolling up and down Twitter a little bit and uh, seeing some of the inactives. There, That's the part of week one where everybody is relatively healthy. Uh, Here's the big list of some of the uh, names that are out, according to Ian Rappaport. Again, I know a lot of you probably aren't drafting uh, individual fantasy players, but uh, Vikings edge Marcus Davenport is out. Saints running back Kendry Miller is out. We mentioned Cordell Patterson. How about for the Cardinals? Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz are up, but I think it's Josh Dobbs. Arcand thats okay. going to be starting for them because uh, old Calamari, you know. <laughs> oh, they got to take care of him. Right. That is a it, just as a quick aside. That we uh, we were kind of talking about the modern game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hey, how come defenses don't get nicknames anymore? Right. And yet there's an organization that is catering to that guy, Calamari. I can't, I can't take it. It's it, he's just I don't know. He drives me nuts. Andrews is out. 49ers tight end George Kittle is in.
1: Why do you hate him so
3: much? Uh because I think number he plays 1 Because video
1: games instead of where I No, to.
3: it's not that. You know what it is? Well, that that would bug the hell out of me if <laughs> I were the owner. If I had to put like language in a contract for right. a guy, that would drive me nuts. No, you know what it is? It's it's false numbers where people will look at it and say, "Oh, this guy is trending to be good." I don't think there is a winning bone in Calamari's body. I really don't. I think he – you know what it is, Arkan? He is the – he's the James Harden of the NFL. Okay. He looks good on the outside. He can run around and make plays. He can put some points on the board, but, you know, do you want him in the fourth quarter? It's just like having James Harden at home in the fourth quarter. There's a one time with Houston where he took, like, three shots in an elimination game in the fourth. Like, that stuff is inexcusable. To me, that's how I feel about, uh, uh, I'll call him the right name so people don't get mad, Kyler Murray, although
1: Calamari – that's pretty good. A delicious treat as well. Oh, sure, yeah. It's uh, the main Rhode Island specialty. Calamari with uh, red sauce and uh,
3: pepperoncinos, no doubt.
1: All right. I'm seeing some of the other teams put yeah, out their I haven't seen the Patriots yet, so uh, we'll keep that eye. The Titans just put theirs out. I don't see any. Will Levis is out. A couple other guys. Nothing that's really going to uh, shock anybody, but as soon as the Patriots put theirs out, we'll uh, certainly let you know.
3: Yeah, that, actually, the Patriots one will not come out until 90 minutes before kicks. So oh, right. Unfortunately, so we got a couple.
1: I forgot it was a 430. Game. No, that's <laughs> so, the, the... It'll be a while, I (laughs) I'm
3: with you, though, but that's the hard part of this. It's like, boy, can't the league just sort of –
1: Roll these out on a uh, you know an, on an across the board uh, basis. All right, well let's see if we, let's try and predict them then. Who do you think? Uh, who do you think? Al, we know that Parker's not playing. Who else do you think is going to? Uh... Well,
3: what do you got? You got Parker out. Um, you'll probably have. I mean, for all the offensive linemen that they have, I don't think there's any way they're going to be able to dress all those guys. So right. I have to think.
1: We know no Jack Jones.
3: Two offensive linemen are out. Jack Jones would be out, and I'm only going two because well they got eleven on the active roster or something yeah. like that. So if you're carrying nine, it feels like a lot, but they don't have – Guys like Riley Reef, who are multi, who are versatile at four different
1: positions. On mm-hmm. Wenu and Strange are both limited on Friday.
3: Yeah, they're in. I think they're those in. those guys are playing. At least I think they are. Um,
1: Stevenson, and, assuming he's over the uh, bubble guts. Yeah, yeah, the trots
3: or whatever. Like all of a sudden he woke up on Friday and maybe he Case was of the, the splatters. I was just gonna say, I wonder if uh, he's the one to ruin that Delta plane or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it might have been uh, Ramondre's fault, but I'm just trying to think uh, who else. I, I, maybe one of the. Uh, one of those like uh, backup special teams dudes like okay. I I would assume like Chris board is in there and schoolers in there but there's normally a couple of guys on that list you would think that wouldn't make it uh, the other one is are they just gonna go with two running backs? today? Good question. Or do they throw a third in there? Because if they don't, then one of the running backs would have to be down as well and that should pretty much maximize the list,
1: I would think. Yeah, I think so. I think all in all, assuming that the offensive line is uh, intact here, you're going pretty much with the I don't. know, I don't say a full bill of health because it's not full, but pretty close. Exactly. You, know, you got, mean, most, you got most of your guys there, feeling yeah.
3: pretty good. Right? Guys like Andrews going down. He was a he was a decent uh, fantasy pick. Uh, I, I never really jump into calls here, but because it is Brady, and I know we are off at twelve thirty-five for Red yes. Sox baseball. Uh, David in the car wants to bring up something about Tom Brady. Go ahead, David. Hey, good morning, guys.
4: Thank you for taking the call. So I'm Tom Brady. I'm super excited. I'm going to be there you know, for today's event, you know. But there's one question that I have. I've never heard anybody brought it, bringing it up, and maybe they did. Now, we all know that Tom Brady, what he's doing with the, with, with the Raiders, being a, a minority owner, is something he wanted to. He wants to get involved. And my question is, to the Kraft family, why will, wouldn't they entertain Tom Brady as a minority owner with a team? There's a guy who spent all his career here, He is the reason you have six championships. He's the reason you have the private jets. He's the reason you have those trophies, new stadium uh, going on, you know, additions and all that. So why wasn't that entertained? Is it because, which I believe it is, Jonathan is not the fan of Tom Brady. He's the reason Tom Brady left, uh, from yeah, what I know I, I'm, so. not, I,
3: I'm not buying that that whole Jonathan Kraft piece of it at all there David I think it was pure money And they thought Tom Brady wouldn't walk away And Tom Brady did kind of call the bluff And walk away Any theory as to why Either an offer wasn't
1: extended Brady's way in terms of
3: ownership I
1: personally think it's pretty simple Yeah, I don't know why it didn't, but I can say why the Raiders did is because he had already bought in. The Raiders were sort of courting him. He had already bought in with their WNBA team. He's a a part owner of the Las Vegas Aces, which is also part of Mark Davis' umbrella there. And I think that that they were already in business. So then he said, well, why don't you come get a piece of the Raiders, too? I think it was probably just as simple as that. Why didn't the Patriots do it? I don't know. What's your theory? Well, because
3: uh, they're not desperate. Mm. I mean, it's really as simple as this. The Raiders were desperate. Uh, Tommy Boyd Davis leveraged himself to a point to be able to put up his end of being able to build that stadium. And if we remember last year, the rumblings got hot. of Boy, he'd love to fire Josh McDaniels, but he right. can't pay him off. I don't know if he really wanted to fire him, but I do believe the guy didn't have the dough. So that's why you allow someone like Tom Brady in. And I also think this Christian from the Patriots end. Do you want the greatest player who ever lived connected to your franchise in a way? to where that guy is standing there with his arms crossed (laughs) at the front of the luxury suite if the Patriots lose a game or a quarterback doesn't play well or any sort of comparison that you can make. It's almost too close to home to where it would be a cloud over any team in this organization.
1: That's true. Or on the other hand, it raises the stakes, you know, like with the lead. Jerry West was there with the Lakers all those years and then they brought in Showtime and Magic and all that, you know, like that can work in your favor sometimes. Well, I don't know if Brady would get stroke here. I feel like at some mm. point tom brady will be the owner of the raiders yeah uh, i think that's probably true i mean if, that, if that's dope. where he wants to stay and he could do it but also the davis the davis family i feel like will take care of their out like i don't know if mark davis has kids or what that situation is oh but i
3: don't think so he
1: doesn't i don't think so i don't know if he i don't know you I, know what
3: that's a now i want to look does yeah. does uh, mark davis does he have kids let's see i'm i don't think he, i don't even think the guy is married
1: really I don't think so. Yeah, you can't cage a bird like him, you know?
3: I'm always... (laughs) Now, that is funny. I'm always uh, uh, relying on Wikipedia for stuff like this. Hang on here. He's a uh, connoisseur. There's nothing here about either uh, wife or children. So, to your point, and if you're Mark Davis, it's like, hey, my dad built this up. If I have no one to hand it to, what better? Like, how proud would dad be Mm. that... Tom Brady came in and gave two billion dollars for the franchise.
1: Yeah, wow. I didn't. I didn't even think of that. I just assumed that there was, you know, this big long heirs, all these Davis heirs that were going to line up and get it, like every other football. <laughs> like the Crafts, team. Yeah, the, like the Crafts and the Hunts
3: and the, you know, the Roonies, and, they sure, were just, and the and sure and the Maras and
1: everybody else. Yeah, it's just what I assumed they were going to do. That's what everyone else does. So why wouldn't why wouldn't uh, also the, the Raiders? But he'll, he'll adopt knows, the kid.
3: Yeah. yeah, he'll adopt someone to be able to uh, to hand it to. Maybe he'll adopt Tom Brady. Uh, maybe he has. <laughs> Well, Brady bought his way into the family. Does that count? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think Tommy Boy Davis was like, please, God, come in. Like, help me. Uh, we will talk to Christian Fourier coming up at noon. As we mentioned, we're off the air early at 1235 for Red Sox baseball. We will cherry pick a couple of games to go around the NFL. Three picks and a prop. Arkan and I have got you on that. And it's time to live with your fantasies next on WEI Football Sunday.
2: Back to WEEI Football Sunday on WEEI. I
3: I understand that it is college football. However, when you hear this song, when you hear Enter Sandman, one of two things is happening. And I know Stiz will probably get this. Either the Sandman from ECW is walking in with a kendo (laughs) stick and he's about to cane yo ass, or... You are at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg listening to this and the guys go out. Can I tell you, I just for the first time
0: saw that Virginia Tech entrance. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, Barstool posted it on Twitter like last week. No, That is the most insane thing I have ever
3: seen. Is that the best entrance in all of sports? I got to tell you, it's up there. It is. And it's weird because I'm assuming neither of you have ever been to Blacksburg, Virginia.
1: Okay. I have not. My uh, brother went to Roanoke and we went th- we went through there, but not to a game or anything.
3: So I went to a game down there in the early 90s because for like a hot minute there was somebody who, uh, I was in Westerly High School for only two years down there, but there was somebody who worked at Virginia Tech. It was a Westerly connection. I went there for a game. It's kind of a half-assed recruiting trip kind of thing. And, oh, my God, that place, you talk about, like, in the middle of the woods. Mm. It's like you're driving through the mountains, and all of a sudden, it's like, like Deliverance. Ah, <laughs> you know, for if you've ever, obviously, we've all been to Foxwoods, right? Right. And if you take that, you get off exit 92, and you take the back way, and you kind of come, you're cresting the hill, and all of a sudden, it's like, Oh, ah, and this place just rises out of the mountains and stuff. That's Virginia Tech. So, it's so weird, because you feel like you're amongst hillbillies, chillbillies, nilbillies, you know, and they play that song and everybody loses their mind. It's It's,
1: insane. I've never seen anything like that. It is dope. I can't imagine being there. It's great, but are we all going to ignore the fact that that's someone else's entrance song who doesn't play anymore and is retired, obviously, but that's Mariano Rivera's entrance song. You can't just repurpose an entrance song for your own team. Well,
3: I do think that it is, uh, but I think it's also like across sports. Like I would say no baseball player could do it because Mariano did it. But if you're a football team that does it, you're not ripping off that guy because he didn't play the sport. If, if, I was going to say BYU did it, that would not happen. (laughs) Like if Boston College had been doing it ever since the song was put out, then I could understand it. By the way, what a grind for, for uh, B C against Holy Cross. I know. And all that yesterday. Hey, uh Arcand, <laughs> tough, you tough for the in states. Oh my god. <laughs> well, and dodging the lightning as well. Yeah. Good lord. Five I think it at UMass yesterday the total delay ended up being like five hours and thirty eight. What minutes. time did you what time did you get off the air? Uh I think we signed off at twelve forty two AM and then for a three o'clock games. And then it was one a.m., when I uh, made sure to punch the holes in the cigars, so they were easier to smoke on the way home. There you go. And uh, hit to get a uh, hit to get a drink at like Cumbie's. And at <laughs> one o'clock, I was leaving Amherst, and I think I pulled into my house at like two forty-five a.m. or something.
1: That sounds fun. It was. It was. <laughs> it was something. It was that the, ride down Route Two. I'm sure that was great too. You huh? know what's
3: crazier? <laughs> and it's funny because we we're like, yeah, we'll get to the daily fantasy stuff, and now we've gone off the exit ramp. Right. The fact that there are no freaking lights on the turnpike Mm. for what feels like 100 miles. And just a quick aside. Have you ever seen, Arcand, if you're ever left like UMass and you're driving eastbound, there's a sign that says, like, Boston 84 miles, Worcester 37. Mm -hmm. Then you go down the road towards Worcester, towards Boston, and the next sign says, Worcester, 41, Boston, whatever. subtract some So somehow you, went you further, go further, away, further away, and yet it goes from like 37 or 38 to Worcester to then 41, and then it kind of catches back up again.
1: I'll admit I never noticed that.
3: What are we doing on these signs for crying out loud? <laughs> hey, there was one out here where it said whatever oh, oh, only, and they mm-hmm. misspelled only one day. It was O-L-N-Y. Wow. Or no, it was uh, O-N-L-Y. They completely screwed it up. It's hilarious. Tax anyway,
1: dollars hard at work. There you go, baby. Uh, well, I saw a sign like that. It said, "This sign is out of service," and I was like, well, yeah. oh, no, it isn't," because you just told me that it's out of service. <laughs> How could it be I out love of service? that it's out of service. It's <laughs> all it says though is that it's
3: out of service. Uh, so, uh, by the way, once we get into the season. This segment will be much more uh, dedicated towards not only fantasy, but also daily fantasy. Arcan's a big daily fantasy player. Yes. So uh, we will be much more focused next time. We are off at 1235. We are broadcasting from our best-yet brand football center, and Christian Fourier, 15 with Fourier, is next.